Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, we talk to a human of Dashdot who is doing just that. His name is Jason De Silva, and he is the head of our client success and client experience team here at Dashdot. He's he's touched the lives of many, many, many Dashdot clients, but. In this episode, we talk about his journey, how he got started in property, how his initial kind of first steps in the property industry, both his career and his investment journey, did it really shape up how he wanted? And then how that has now changed and evolved and how he's really on a path to success. We talk about some of the habits and rituals that he's put in place to stay motivated and stay moving towards his goals. We talk about some of the big you know, motivating factors and influencing factors of his life. We talk about books. We talk about all kinds of stuff. I really enjoyed this episode, and I think you're going to enjoy it too. Jason's quite young, but he's got a wisdom beyond his years, and I think the insights that he brings to the table are going to be applicable no matter whether you are you haven't started on your property investing journey or you're early in your property investing journey or your later stage in your property investing journey. I think you're going to get some nuggets out of this and some gold, particularly as well. There's a lot of lessons in here if you are a younger property investor who is just thinking about getting started because Jason has built a good portfolio already and he is only in his early 20s. So there's a lot to be gained out of listening to someone who is already doing this and already making great strides to personal success. So Without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. I thank you for joining us on the show. Make sure you like, rate, review, share this with a friend, family member, or loved one. Without any further ado, let's get into it. See you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me today is another human of Dashdot. He's a very special character, and he's one that has touched the lives of many of our clients. His name is Jason De Silva. Jason, how are you today? I'm very good, Goose. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. How's your day going? Very good. Very good. A bit busy, but it's it's been a really good day so far. Awesome. Great. So, look, most some people, if they're our current clients, they actually may know you, right? Because you've, yep. you've had a lot to do with quite a lot of our clients and stuff like that. But there are literally thousands of people who listen to this podcast who aren't our clients and who are going to be like, who the hell is Jason? What's he doing here? What's he all about? Mm. So, Jason, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about what do you do at Dashdot? You know, who, who are you? What do you do at Dashdot? What's your role? All, that, all of that kind of stuff. We'll start there. And then I want to dig into a little bit about your personal story. Sound good? Yeah, sounds awesome. So my name's Jason. I'm 23 years old and I'm currently a client success team lead at Dashdot. So um, I oversee our team of client experience managers just to make sure the experience that we are providing to our clients is as awesome as possible. Awesome. Sweet. And um, how did you how did you end up in how did you end up with Dashdot? Like what's the what's the back end? How did you end up in this role? What's your what's your story? Yeah, so my story is is quite interesting actually. So once I finished high school, I really wanted to work in in the real estate industry. Mm. Uh, so as soon as I finished high school, I got my real estate certificate, and straight after that, I got a role at Ray White. So doing open for inspections for their property management team just on the weekends, mm. um, and that was my real like my first. I guess picture in in real estate, and I spent some time doing open homes on the weekends. And what and what kind of picture did you get from that? Did you were you like, hang on, is this real estate? I thought I wanted to be in real estate. Now I'm just going around opening doors for people on the weekends. What yeah. kind of what kind of what kind of vibe did you? <laughs> what did you start to think about your career in real estate at that point? Yeah, so to be honest, like, like I was just looking for any role just to give myself exposure to the industry, and I was 18, so I was super young traveling to all these houses like i had just gotten my license as well so i was not the best driver and i was driving to all these familiar like 
non-familiar areas to me to like open homes, like open the doors, like let people in, take their information. And then if they were interested in the properties, like gathering their details and presenting them to the property managers. So it was, it was definitely an interesting start to my real estate career. Um, but the primary driver for like wanting to be in real estate is that there's quite a few things actually. So uh, we can go into it later if you want, or we can go into it now. Hey, let's go into it now. What, yeah. you know, what, are, what are your main drivers wanting to be in real estate? Because yeah, like, sure. let's, let's be honest, like real estate yeah. doesn't have a great reputation, right? So mm. when I, I remember when I was pivoting my life and when I started on this journey yeah. and I started telling people around me like, hey, you, we're actually going to. We're actually started, going to start a real estate business. Honestly, I reckon I lost a bunch of friends because they were like, oh, what? You're going to go into real estate? You're one of them. And so I'm very interested to know what are your motivations? Why do? Why is this? Why is this something you've got a passion on? I know, I know that you're addicted to property books. We're going to talk about that in, in this mm. podcast as well. But what is your motivation? What's, what, what? Tell us. Let's dig in. Yeah, sure. So my motivations actually changed quite a lot in real estate, like for real estate specifically. So... When I first wanted to be in real estate, it was because so I was born and raised in, in Dubai. So I lived there for like 12 years mm. and that started like my passion, not really for real estate, but for like construction and just seeing how quickly things could be done and how things could be created from nothing. So um, I'm not sure if you know, but Dubai was built in like 20 years, pretty much. I don't know if you've seen like a map of it, like 20 years and then like what it looks like now. But no, no that's I know obviously a lot of it is quite, yeah. quite new and is a but no, I didn't realize it was like pretty much started as like a desert, and then in twenty years they like they built the city. Um, so like that was like my initial passion for just like seeing how things could could be created out of out of nothing. Um, and I was really passionate about like the real estate and construction side of things and property development. Mm. Uh, but then when I moved to Australia, we we moved house quite a lot. So I was always talking to to real estate agents that always like drive up in their like fancy cars, and I was like, oh that could be like a cool career. And like that was my initial motivation for like wanting to go into real estate just because mm. of the, like the lifestyle and what it, what it could provide. Um, I didn't really think about the property investment specific side of things until very, like a few years later. Um, but yeah, like that was my initial scope into real estate. Okay. And so, so initially you were attracted by the nice cars, right? Which is, yes. which is, which is yes. quite interesting because there's another uh, there's another team member. I'm not going to name names, but when he when he when he when he first interviewed, I said, "So why are you interested in real estate?" He's like, "Because of the suits. I see they wear nice. You see, see people wear nice suits. Right? So it's quite funny, right? So you were originally attracted by the cars, but then what changed? What's your motivation now? And what and and how did what? Yeah, what's your motivation now? And then how is what's that evolution been? And why? And let's dig into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for me, like once I started actually. When I worked in real estate, I saw what it was like and I really wanted to be in property, but I wasn't sure where specifically in, in real yeah. estate. Because uh, after I did that open home host role at Ray Wire, I also got, I got another part-time job as a sales PA. Mm. Um, and that like further cemented that I was in the wrong place because all they had me do was like um, door knocking, cold calling people, following up people that had come to open for inspections. And I wasn't really learning anything about the industry. I was learning more like sales stuff. Mm. Um, and that was, I didn't really get too much of a good vibe. And that kind of like put me off wanting to work in traditional real estate. Mm. Um, so then I moved and got a, got a role at, at Telstra working in their one of their retail stores. Mm. And that was pretty much my career for like almost four years before, before coming to Dashdot. But during that time, 
I was watching a lot of YouTube videos, reading a lot of books, understanding property investment, and then actually implementing and trying to do it myself, <laughs> which yeah. we can get to in a sec. That's a really fun story and a good learning as well. But yeah, like that's been developing ever since then. Yeah, awesome. So how would you reflect on Dashdot versus traditional real estate? What's different? It's so different. Like being working for a company that actually wants to help buyers and actually is on their side as opposed to being on the other side of real estate where they're they're working for the seller and they literally will say anything to um to get the sale essentially. Like I'm actually going through that trying to sell my property and like seeing how the prop like how the sales agents communicating to me and what they're going to say to the vendor like it's so unethical in my yeah. opinion like it's it's a complete it's a complete shift to be honest yeah. do do we do we have a culture that values fancy cars like is that have you got a fancy no. car yet no yeah, i you do don't... not have a fancy car no i do not <laughs> <laughs> no teslas here <laughs> yeah 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 totally totally so okay cool all right no it's good and i i like to think of that that we're like the unreal estate real estate business 100 percent. yeah in a lot of ways so no that's cool Okay, I want to dig into your property journey in a little bit. You've already kind of talked about the fact that you started, you started, you grew up in Dubai and and all that kind of stuff. You've also been studying, uh, like what you've also been, you know, pursuing an ac- like academic growth in the real estate sector. What do you want to talk to that for a sec? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm currently studying a bachelor of property in real estate and commerce uh, with a with a major in financial planning, and I. I really liked those two side of things. I really liked the financial planning in terms of being able to guide and advise people towards their goals and learning about property Mm. and combining those together. But I didn't really see an actual career, like how I could make an actual career out of that without like until I started working at Dashdot because I hadn't really seen many like Mm. people that actually do that. So it was two things that I was really interested in and Dashdot really helped put those two things together. So what's your your main motivation, right? Because... I understand you were when you were young. You were like, oh, you saw all these people, and it kind of looked looked, looked kind of vaguely interesting. And you were like, all right, maybe I'll give that a go, right? Yeah. But now, but now you're someone who, and you know, you're an extremely valued member at, uh, at Dashdot. But you're someone who is has been studying property, who reads countless property books, who's persistently wanted to pursue a career in real estate. So, what is the underlying fundamental driver? Like, what? What drives that hunger? Because that's not just a career choice. Like that's not just yeah. going, oh, you know what? Actually, I think I'll do that as a job. This is something that I can see as it's really like it's under the skin, you know, like it's it's soaked in deep. And I want to know what is that? Like what what is that driver? What is the pull towards real estate for you? Yeah, one hundred percent. So like I've seen firsthand the the effects of property investing and what what it can do uh, for people from a lifestyle perspective and being able to essentially escape the rat race and, and be able to pursue your passions. So like that's that's the one thing that that was the transition for me in terms of like working in traditional real estate and then seeing what property can actually do for you mm. um, if, if you do have the correct principles in place. So that was a that was a big motivator for me. And then that further emphasized whilst I was reading. So I was seeing it happening in real life and then I was reading about it and it was emphasizing it even further. Yeah. Um, and my, my initial goal was to try and do that for myself, which I tried to it by myself at the start. And that was that's a, a fun story. But um like f- from like being able to see that I really wanted to help um other people and other investors achieve those same outcomes as well. So it's it's kind of come from from there. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So when you say you saw it firsthand, do you mean in your own personal property journey or do you mean do you mean you saw other people around you experiencing that? 
I saw other people around me that have <laughs> experienced that. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people, like close family, friends, and and mates of mine as well, that have bought quite a few properties and have had quite a lot of success with it. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So cool. That's, let, that's let's where it came let, from. let's let's talk talk to your journey then, because you've mentioned mm. a couple of times you tried to do it yourself, and what you've just basically <laughs> admitted there was that the success you saw wasn't your own uh, that you're yes. like okay hang on a second i can see other people doing well here so why don't we mm. let's, let's talk a little bit about your journey how did you get started yeah sure and i think my my journey is a is a really good learning for everyone of yeah. what not to do <laughs> pretty much uh so i i was i started saving up for property pretty much as soon as i got my first full-time role um so from telstra and ray white i was consistently saving when i was can i just 18, jump in there yeah not a lot of not a lot of young people start saving for property. Had you yeah. at that stage already seen friends, family members, and all of that kind of stuff become successful in real estate? Like, was that your? Yes. Okay, yeah. So yes. You, you were like, okay, I've seen them do it. Okay, I want that. Or yeah, one hundred percent. And then the first book that I read as well was was Rich Dad Poor Dad as well, and that that was really like a fundamental shift for me in terms of like not working the for money and buying you ever read or the first kind of like the first copy? actual useful book that i ever read <laughs> <laughs> i have read books before for like high school and, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that but the first useful book i ever read was yeah was rich dad poor dad yeah yeah game changer <laughs> hey great game changer and like it's such such fundamental concepts that anyone could carry i think a lot of investors have, have said that has been a really good mm. a book for them as well but yeah like that's where it came from trying to buy something that can help um produce some income have some growth and use that as a as a vehicle for retirement yep um so i yeah saved up consistently had some had some money i think i had like 20 grand at the time i was 18. i didn't really think that i could buy a property i just wanted to like get like not yet in terms of with those savings so i went to see like a, the local mortgage broker and um, this is before like the APRA rules before, like when they were just like handing out cash to everyone, I went yeah. to, <laughs> I went into yeah. the mortgage broker and they were like, with your 20 K, you could definitely get a loan. So like they, I think they offered me like 95% LVR, something like that. And they were like, yeah, you can easily do it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So they submitted, I got a pre-approval, um, and I, I'd stopped working at Ray White, but I still had connections of people that I, sorry, go. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say you'd stopped working and I was like, hang on a second, you're no, no, no. 20 grand and you're like, I'm buying a property, I'm retiring. <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 keep going, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had the $20,000, but I was working at um, I was working at Telstra. I wasn't working at, at Ray White anymore, but I still knew people who worked there in like the business development team. So I was like, surely they know what they're talking about. They'll tell me like where I should buy it and what I should buy. Mm. Um, so I had a chat to them and said, hey, I, I got a pre-approval. It was I think it was for like 400K. Uh, where should I be buying? And they like pointed me in the direction of like two new developments that were like really close to where I was living, like two apartment complexes that were right next to each other. Mm. And and they said, buy in this apartment complex. So I was like, okay, sounds good. I I went there with my dad, I think, yeah. and went to like, it's actually a very similar story to yours, actually. I went to like their fancy like display home and they were like, yeah, you can like only pay a 5% deposit. It'll be completed in like 18 months. It'll probably grow even more than what you paid by then. It's got all this depreciation. Like, look at the look at the taps you can choose from, and like, look yeah. at the look at the fixtures you can choose from. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's just like a property. I can be. I'll be able to rent it out. All good. I like put down. I paid the five percent deposit, and that was all good. I signed the contract. Fine. I had my pre-approval, and I did nothing for like 
12 to 18 months whilst it was mm. being built. Um, and this is where it gets like really funny. I guess not really funny, but it's a really good learning. Yeah. Um, like when, when the property was like, as soon as it was almost about to be built, they asked everyone to start organizing finance. Yep. So I went back to my, back to my broker and was like, Hey, can we convert this pre-approval to a full approval? And they were like, with the, and that was literally when the Royal Commission happened. I think it was in February uh, 2019. They were like, we can't give you this loan anymore. And I had signed like an unconditional contract, which means if, if I had defaulted, I would have lost like the 20 grand, which yep. was like my life savings at the time. Yep. Um, so I was like super stressed, super nervous. I went and spoke to like quite a few different mortgage brokers to see uh, what can be done. And the developer actually referred me to a mortgage broker that, that could help. Um, and they got me a loan, but the, like when they did the valuation, they found that the apartment didn't satisfy like the square meter criteria. <laughs> so they were like, we can't lend to you on this. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. So then I went back to the developer and said, Hey, like, this is what's happened. And they were like, okay, we can help you with that. Uh, we have this other apartment that's for sale. That was like, I think it was the next level up. That was like, I think it was $15,000 more. Um, and it, it had the right square meter size. Mm. Um, but, and also as a, as a side note to this, like I was saving money from Telstra during that time. And I'd also started an e-commerce business that was quite profitable. So I had, I did have some cash additional to the 20, like quite a substantial amount more, which I wasn't, didn't know I was going to have to contribute to that purchase at yeah, the time. Yeah. Um, so I had the, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get the other apartment. That's fine. But then they charged me I think they charged me like $4,000 to cancel the old contract that they that, that I had signed and to recreate a new contract for this nice. other property. I think they originally wanted like eight grand, but my dad put his negotiation hat on and got them down to like four grand or something. So I was like, oh, okay. I paid the 4K, got the new contract and I gave it to my broker. And he's like, okay, ordered the Val. Val comes back at like 360. I paid 390. So I was like, oh no. This oh, is a mistake. No. This is a mistake, but I have to follow through. I'm gonna lose my deposit. So um I had the funds to contribute. So I just contributed like pretty much all the funds that I'd had from like the, the e-commerce business and like savings from Telstra and like settled on that property. But wow. that's a little bit of a summary of what not to do, I guess, with, <laughs> with the first investment property. Gnarly, gnarly. And mm. how did that how did you after after that, were you just like screw this um like property investing this is yeah not i was scarred like i was pretty much scarred i was like property investing like is this what it's really like but to be honest right i hadn't really done a lot of like a lot of reading and a lot of research into it so i actually mm. used that failure i guess you could call it to mm. actually educate myself more on like what what property investments actually supposed to be and what yeah. what are you actually supposed to look for in an investment property and i started listening to podcasts and that really kick-started like the actual genuine interest in in property investment mm. um and and like actually educating myself on what what needs to be done like that's where it really like took off i would say from like a knowledge perspective yeah 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 it's usually it's usually the failures that cause you to then go hang on a second yeah <laughs> this, is, this what actually is this <laughs> yeah yeah. So so okay. So um, I want to get on to yeah. So what do we get on to the next properties? Because it took you a little while. Then we we obviously started working together. I do want to get into after this. I wanted. To, I really want to dig into some stuff about what you actually do, right? But yeah, I'm interested to follow that kind of chain. So you've you're 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 basically a property mogul now, right? You've got a lot. You've got a lot going on, and and you've, you're buying a few more properties. Tell us what 
Tell us a little bit more. We don't need to go into, into don't need, just as many details as you want as fine. Mm. What does your portfolio yep. look like now? And what are some of the lessons you've learned? And how are the properties different now? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can go like a little bit of a step back as well. Like once I'd saved like the money for the next deposit, I was like to myself, I am not doing this by myself again. So yeah. I was I was going to like go through a property and not a property investment, like a strategic property investment company to make mm-hmm. sure I don't repeat this mistake again. And like funnily enough, that's when I got the role at Dashdot as well. So it was like s- super coincidental. Yeah. Um, so then I, I leveraged like our, our team and our experience and our resources to buy uh, my next two properties. So the, the property that I bought after that was... Um, a duplex on like 770 squares of land that was cash flow positive, that was in a good growth location, that had low vacancy rates. Like, as soon as I, like, that was an eye opener for me because I had never even known like properties like that even existed until I had started working at Dashdot and actually seeing it firsthand. Mm. Um, and then that was like the real flicker, like the real like changing moment for me. Like, you can actually use properties to, to support retirement because before I thought it was just like a bit of a, a myth like surely people can't buy like off the plan apartments and like create income for themselves and actually have like a the life that they want but like seeing the properties that we buy and like buying that first property myself was a a big game changer mm. um and also how how those properties can assist with like servicing and helping you borrow more as well so um, when I bought that property, I thought that was going to be the last property that I'd be able to buy for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, but I bought that and then I had another important, we can go into the lessons, but it's quite important to also have a good team around you from like a yeah. mortgage broker, accountant, uh, conveyancer and so on as well. But um, having a strategic mortgage broker that was able to think about my situation and take into account the additional income that I was getting from the second property helped leapfrog me into the next. Yeah. Um, as well. So the, the third property is uh, another duplex, but that one's in New South Wales and exactly the same fundamentals as the first one. So I'm very happy about both those purchases. Yeah, Awesome. What, what, what are some of the lessons you learned in those next couple of purchases? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the first uh, and most important lesson is like, don't buy off the plan apartments. Uh, land, <laughs> land appreciates, buildings depreciate. Um, always have an awesome team around you that can help support you. So as a property investor, I think you want to be like a generalist, but have a team of professionals around you that can help guide you in like the specific aspects. So have a really good mortgage broker that can help assess your situation and look at it um, as a business, have a strategic accountant that can make sure you're getting the maximum tax deductions, have a good strategic property investment company that can help find the right assets for you and have a good conveyance that has your back in case anything unseemly happens I yeah think those nice. are the biggest lessons for me yeah nice nice that's awesome now what okay so that, that's that's super cool so now you've now you've got a couple more properties under your belt you've bought two properties in like i don't know six months or something haven't you yeah it's been pretty yeah. been pretty quick um and i think it's safe to say you feel a little bit differently about those properties compared to the first 100 percent. what's it what are we what are your goals like why are you why are you investing in the first place so what are you trying to achieve uh, I think when you first asked me that question, I said it was like passive income and like the classic like fluffy response. And to be honest, I still don't, I still don't one hundred percent know what I want to do. the The thing is, like with property investing, I actually find it quite enjoyable. Mm. Um, so I'm actually using it to not only educate myself but also build like a, a good portfolio. Yeah. Um, obviously, eventually, I'm hoping the portfolio will be able to create passive income and support 
my retirement, I guess. But yep. like, I'm not fully sure like what success looks like to me now. I'm just kind of using property investment as like a kind of like an education, like to educate myself on the on the property investment process, mm. being able to build a good portfolio, and then eventually use that knowledge that I've gained. And I'm currently doing that a little bit now as well, like helping people to to do the same thing, pretty much. Yeah. So tell me, what, what so. How are you helping people, right? Because you've got a very active role in the journey of a lot of Dashdot clients. So how are you helping people? What are you doing you know, in a, in a meaningful way? And I'm interested to dig into that. And I also want to ask you about like, what you've seen in some of other people's results and stuff like that. But what, what is it you do? Yeah, so my role is currently split into two. So one, one side of the role is being a, a client experience manager and helping support clients through the through the property investment journey themselves so making sure they have everything that they need that they're getting connected with the best people that can help support their journey and that the experience is as easy as possible and the polar opposite of the experience that I had the first time um, and the other side of that is as a client success team lead so supporting our new team of client experience managers to make sure that they are also providing that same level of service and mm. supporting clients in the best possible way yeah, awesome, awesome. And so throughout that journey, right? Because one of the things you do as well, um, partly because of your your team leader role and everything like that as well, is you actually help organize performance reviews and performance reports for our clients. So yep. I'm interested to know, like, from you've learned a lot in your own personal journey, but then looking at the journeys of other people and having such an involvement in that, and then looking at some of the results, like, what are some of the learnings you've got out of that? I'm interested to kind of dig into that. And have you put any like? seeing what other people have achieved as well like there's there's yeah. surely there's some some eye openers there yeah 100% like the biggest eye opener for me is um if that first property is a good property that should be the last deposit that you'll ever have to save like from my perspective like if i had used those funds that i had to buy an actual good property i'd probably have double the properties that i have now because uh, I have to save cash and and try to contribute my own funds towards the next purchase. So like seeing what our clients have purchased, like I've seen many clients now that have got 100% ROI from their, their initial deposit in under a year yeah. um, and being able to roll that capital forward into their next and subsequent purchases. So although they're coming to us with the funds available to potentially buy one purchase, they end up buying three yeah. <laughs> in just like a very short period of time. So that, yeah. that's been a very big eye-opener for me. Some, some, in fact, often in, in 12 months, they'll often, there's, it has happened loads of times, right? Where people yeah. come like, hey, I've got enough money to buy one property. And then within 12 months, they've settled on their third. It's like, bam. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, it's insane. Totally, totally. Now that's 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 awesome. Anything else? Just the types of properties that we buy and like yep. the the price points and stuff. Because like I I'm from Melbourne, so to me, like so we buy sometimes we buy properties that are like three hundred thousand dollars. Like I've never even seen those before because yep. the median house price here is like close to a million dollars. Um, and I think that's a quite quite a big eye opener for clients as well. Like you don't have to buy a million dollar property to get mm. the the results. Like we get the same results across properties that we buy for 250,000 that we buy for a million dollars. So um, just, just knowing that and having that as a bit of a shift, because I think a lot of people would be in that same position as well, where they think that that sometimes you buy cheaper, like a cheaper properties, that they're still going to get the same awesome results. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be just interested to know, like, what are some of the, what are some common myths that, that you have heard in property that you now know to not be true or or anything like that. You know, like, you know, it's just one one that kind of came kind of came to mind then is that, you know, cheaper properties don't perform as well, which is just 
nonsense. I'm not suggesting that you need to go and buy cheap properties, to, but there's kind of like no nominal difference if you buy at the right time. Correct. Right? So, so Correct. Yeah. Are there, any, are there any other kind of like myths? You've, you've read a lot of books and you've seen yourself. Are there any other myths and stuff that may, that may have come through? Yeah, I've seen like another really common one is people that want to buy where they live. Yeah. Um, or like having a property that they can just like go and visit. Um, I think that's quite a common myth. And I only learned that myself in the last couple of years as well from like actually reading and having like a board having like a borderless investing approach because yeah. 99% of the time the the perfect property for you is not the the house next door that's for sale. Mm. Uh yeah. So having like a borderless investing approach has been like quite another valuable myth for me that I've seen with clients as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? Because it's like so many mm. people are like, oh, you know, but I need, it's you know, bricks and mortar. You need to be able to go and touch it, see it. Feel. I yeah. often say to people, I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, you need to go peek through mm. the curtains while someone's living there. Like, that's that's like, yeah, sure it's illegal, you know. Like, one hundred percent. It's a pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting um, perspective to have. So, okay, cool. So you're currently, you know, you're still quite young, right? So you, you haven't quite worked out what success looks like to you. So, but you are, you do seem pretty motivated to um, you know have a you, you have a process of continuous self improvement. I know, I know that about you from my experience working with you. So, what are some habits and rituals that you have kind of put into place to to help keep either keep you motivated and on track towards you know even though the goal isn't clear, but to actually keep that momentum going and to keep yourself moving forward, or you know some other kind of things that maybe you use to kind of sharpen your own sword or to develop yourself as an individual and to constantly you know, improve yourself. Why don't we talk to that? Yeah, sure. So reading has definitely been the biggest thing for me. Um, and actually like reading books that actually give you value. Like mm. I've, I've been very, like I've set a goal last year was to read like one book a month. And then this year I've got a goal to almost double that. Um, I've just gotten so much value from reading, especially at the early stages where I hadn't even heard of self-help books before. Um, like reading those like personal development books have been like a massive shift for me. Like I know I mentioned at the start, like rich dad, poor dad, that was really good from like a mindset perspective and just making sure like you are aligned with the, with the mindset of an investor and not someone that just wants to work for their money and instead of have money work for you. Mm. Um, another really like empowering book that I read was can't hurt me by, by David Goggins. Um, that one goes into a lot of resilience, um, being able to build mental toughness. And like one of the quotes that, that comes out of it is like, when you're, when you're at your limit, you're only 40, you've only used 40% of your potential. Like you can still go beyond that. That was like a, a huge mind shift for me. Cause like him as a person has gone through like three hell weeks, um, over like a very short period of time and has developed like such a strong mental toughness. It's like that. Yeah. That was like an eye opener for me, to be honest. Yeah, like, totally right. I'm all yeah. I'm big on resilience. I'm big on yeah. resilience, and I'm like, yeah, cool. When you think you're at your limit, you're only forty percent. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Why was I read that book? And I was like, this guy's his language fucked in the head. <laughs> I was like, I was like, like I said, this guy's mad. Like, yeah. like I just, I just, just couldn't. I kind of just got. I was like, "Is he just making up? Is he just trying to hurt himself just to prove a point?" Like, yeah, you know. I just, I sort of, I thought it was good to a point, <laughs> you know. Um, but no, no, no. That's good. It's good. It's good. And um, so, and what what do you do to develop yourself as a leader? To develop myself as a leader, 
a few things like I do a lot of reading and there's a lot of also like courses that I've started to get to get into as well. Mm. Um, like I was in a leadership role prior to joining Dashdot as well. So there are some insights from there that, that I've brought on, but it's been a lot of reading. Um, probably like the most impactful books that I've read on leadership has been Extreme Ownership mm. uh, by, by Jocko Willink. And that one, the primary benefit is like the you are in control of everything, even though you think that you're not. Like there's always something that you could do uh, to help influence the situation and everything is in your control. So that's yeah. something that I've tried to bring um, in my previous roles and also in this role as well. Yeah. 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 Nice. Uh, that is, that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. That's a good book. What advice, insights, or inside knowledge would you share with someone who is thinking about working with Dashdot but might be sitting on the fence? There are a few things. The first one would be just to just to do it, uh, like the every, <laughs> just do it. Just I'm not sure it, if like, that's I'm not sure if that's advice or if that's like um, aggressive cheerleading. Mm. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Because <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, right, like a lot of a lot of people have fear about those sort of things, and it's where like you actually get to your goal when you come come outside of your comfort zone. So. Mm just doing it. We have an awesome team that's able to support throughout the journey from, from a client experience perspective to even like a, a property acquisition and settlement perspective as well. We have access to resources that I don't think many or if any companies have access to. So we, we're very data-driven. We don't buy based on emotion. Like we buy in areas specifically because we believe they have strong prospects for growth and they're going to help support the portfolio. Um, so I, I would highly recommend anyone that's looking or considering to invest to come and work with us. Like I've also referred not only my parents, but also a few mates of mine that have, that have also become clients of Dashdot and they've had nothing but positive things to say about the experience. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting, right? Because you, cause a lot, so I think because real estate's got a pretty um, bad name and you yeah. early in your personal journey, you experienced yeah. that you were like, hang on a second, you're working for a few companies. You were like, this is not even ethical. This is not mm. even good, right? And so yeah. I think real estate, generally speaking, has got a pretty grimy reputation. And I think it speaks volumes that you personally are putting your money where your mouth is and you've gone you know, through the process and bought properties through Dashdot that you've also then you know, referred your parents who are now with their story in and of itself is amazing and i can't actually wait to get them on the show eventually as well because their story is awesome too and they're they're now you know buy, buying multiple properties and having and doing all this kind of stuff and they're bringing your friends involved as well i think that that's i think that's a, a huge vote of confidence and you know i think it's i think it's amazing and I, i'm very grateful that 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 um for, for everything that you contribute and all of that kind of stuff too but i think it's um i think it speaks volumes yeah for sure awesome okay cool so Great. So basically, just do it. Is your is your um, is your thing there? So, how do you cultivate the right money mindset around um, around? Because you've got a pretty, I think you've got a pretty robust mindset around uh, abundance and prosperity and and everything like that. You don't seem to have a scarcity mindset. So, how do you rationalize? Um, you know, how do you rationalize building a, a good money mindset and having a, and and you know staying in that in that positive and abundant space? Yeah, like the the biggest learning for me has been the concept of delayed gratification. So like that that really helped support me from a savings perspective to get my first and, and subsequent deposits as well. Um, having a concept of like thinking about the future and being able to set money aside specifically for that, like a pay yourself type mindset. 
Um, I've also read a lot of books around creating systems for money, and I, I do agree with that to some extent, but it doesn't really need to be that complicated. Mm. Um, just like completing an assessment of your situation and seeing how much you could allocate towards your portfolio yeah. and then staying staying consistent with it and always thinking of the bigger and end, and end goal as opposed to like getting like a phone or like a TV or something that's going to go down in value, like having a, a more investor-focused asset uh, mindset in terms of being able to, this mm. money could be converted. Like, I think for me as well, like even seeing like the the compound interest calculator has been really cool as well. Yeah, totally. I wish yeah. I understood compound interest earlier in life. Yeah. I really didn't, I really didn't understand it. I remember when I was like, I don't know, 18 or something and my brother was talking about buying a house mm. and I was like... <laughs> dude, what are you doing? I was like, why, yeah. would you to, why would you want to do that? I was like, seems like a really dumb idea. Um, in the meantime, I was just off partying. If I'd known then what mm. I knew now about compounds, yeah. oh my God, it's like such a game changer. Um, how do you though position future benefit versus today's benefit? Because it's a because you could live your life as a monk and just let every dollar you get be like, oh my God, I need to invest this. And and you can get so caught up that you also forget about living today, right? And yeah. So you, make, you don't, you, so you, you, it's like 100% delayed gratification. How I think do you, it's about having a balance. Like, oh, Lisa, to me. How, do you, how do you find that balance? Like, how do you, what, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm, I'm not a monk by any means. Like, I still spend money. <laughs> um, but I think it's about like just having a balance. So, like, being able to have the best of everything. Like, you don't need to be a monk and you also don't need to be like someone that constantly saves money as well like constant sorry someone that consistently spends money for, for no reason as well i think mm. it's about being aware of, of your current situation assessing the funds that you have and then determining how like what's going to bring you the most enjoyment out of using those funds and then allocating some money towards that and then other funds towards like saving and investing because there are things that i i like to do that i have i have set aside funds for as well but like there's also the investment portfolio as well but the other side of things as well is making sure you're buying the right property because that could help you not save and contribute as much money to your portfolio because you can leverage the equity as well so that there's a few different things to it but i'd say balance is probably the most important yeah awesome awesome okay cool jason it's been really good actually before we move on to the final question right you started you've started investing quite young yeah most most people don't right uh i didn't start having an interest in property till I was nearly 30 years old or around about 30 years old or uh, whatever, around about that age, which is actually really common, right? There's lots yeah. of people who don't even start thinking about it until they're like 40. Yeah. So yeah. What, would you, what would you say to someone who is in their early 20s who is just thinking about partying and you know having a good time and everything like that? What would you say to someone like that that might help them to shift their mindset? Uh, the biggest lesson for me is to to take advantage of your situation. Like most people in their 20s are living at home. They don't have a lot of expenses um, and they have, a, they have a propensity if they want to, to have a very high savings rate. So like my advice would be to take advantage of that whilst also still having a balance um, and putting in those hard yards in, in your 20s to help reward you in, in your 30s. Mm. Um, because once people move out, they, they start renting and they get up, take on more expenses and that makes it a little bit harder to save money and allocate money towards their portfolio. So I, I would highly recommend anyone in, in their 20s, like really assess their situation, like live at home if you can, like use, like think of ways that you can to like increase your savings rate and then put those savings towards, towards your property portfolio. Or even if you can't like save 
for a deposit, like put it into shares or some something along those lines. Obviously, not financial advice, but as long as you don't, as long as you talk about any specific shares or, or stocks, I think it should be okay. So. <laughs> awesome, yeah. But just use take advantage of your situation. Use the capital that you have, and like whilst you're young, you can get the big biggest benefit of compound growth and compound interest as well so mm. that that would be that would be my advice to anyone in their 20s yeah it's interesting i think you probably go like, go a little bit further right because like mm. great great advice yeah 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 make use of your money and make use of something you also like what's the emotional bribe because a lot of people think in like i'm in my 20s i'm gonna go traveling this is the time in my life and don't get me wrong i did all of that i partied yeah. way hard i traveled i did all of the stuff and i don't regret any of it right just to be clear, it's awesome. Mm. But at the same time, if somebody had told me when I was 20 that it, all I needed to do was to like invest in property for like 10 years and then I could go on a forever holiday, yeah. like forever and do whatever yeah. I want for the rest of my life, I would like that's a pretty compelling, like that's a pretty compelling value proposition. Yeah. Not 100%. just like save hard, use your money well, you know, delayed gratification. That's all kind of stuff that when you're in your 20s, you're like, screw that. I'm not interested in that. I'm living for the moment. I'm living today. <laughs> yeah. But it's a pretty compelling value proposition to go, okay, mm. you've been alive for 20 years, right? If you just focus 10 years more on you know, investing well, then you'll be able to have like 50 years of doing whatever you want, right? Yeah. I think that's a yeah. pretty compelling 100%. That's way better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. All right, so... Final question. So imagine it's your last day on earth. Like, you know, obviously you're in your 20s, right? So let's just, this is going to be long, 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 long way. Yeah. 70 years, maybe more. Um, way off in the distance, you've achieved everything that your heart desires. You've built, you know, the property portfolio of your dreams. You've traveled everywhere. You've done all the stuff. You've achieved all these amazing, fantastic things. You've, you've made a huge impact on the world. But it's your last day on earth and the moment that you pass away, the moment you disappear, every single thing that you have created and achieved will be wiped from the face of the earth. No record that you ever existed. But you get to leave behind three simple truths that will live on. What are your three truths? Yeah, I did put some thought into this because I hadn't I hadn't thought about it before. Uh, but for me, like the the three the three truths would be the first one would be everything that you want is is outside your comfort zone. So mm. always stepping out of your comfort zone because that's where you'll grow and get the most benefit as well and help you to develop. Um, I, I have another one as well, like which was the from David Goggins, but like, <laughs> the one that we spoke about before. Like most of us give up when we're at forty percent of our maximum effort. So always always pushing yourself to to excel in whatever you do and always knowing that you can you can move forward from where you are even if you think that it's that it's hard there is always a way to move forward and be a bit more resilient um, that's that's another one for me and the last one is to to practice extreme ownership uh, because you control your own destiny and you're not at mercy of the world around you so you can always you can always control the situation regardless of what it is and have have a positive impact awesome i love it they're great. I love all of those. It's awesome. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take those, take those with me. Jason, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've really appreciated it, and I think you've shared a lot of really valuable uh, wisdom, knowledge, insights, advice, guidance. Your own personal property journey is really, really fascinating too. I think people got a, a lot of people are going to learn a lot from that. So it's been a real pleasure, Jason. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. For Thanks, guys. Cool. See ya. See you soon. Bye. Bye. 